Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Hey man, this is a great crowd for today. And uh, with all this weather, and uh, man, I'm glad I go to a church where people want to be here. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Be seated. Be seated if you would. I'm going to start a little different than typical. I was, um, I was 15 years old, around 15 years old, and um, I was 15 years old 16 years ago. That's weird. Um, Brother and Sister Tacker, we're so glad you're here. So glad you get some snow while you're here. I know you love snow so much. You moved to Florida because of how much you love snow. And, uh, but uh, I was 15 years, I'm going to get back here. I was 15 years old, and, and um, I was, uh, Eli Hernandez was here at the church. And uh, how many of you remember Brother Hernandez? He was a prophet. He was a, he was a modern-day prophet. Just as there was prophets in the Bible, he was a prophet that would be able to tell you what's going on in your life or maybe things that were going to happen and did happen. And we saw that over and over again with, with individuals, and, and I could tell you stories. But, um, but and so... I was 15 years old and Eli Hernandez was here for the weekend and, and uh, after the service was over, pastor invited some of the ministers out to his house to be able to sit with Brother Hernandez and just hear stories and, and just be able to uh, sit around and, and just hear and glean from him. And I remember um, uh, just being glad to be in the room and uh, I, was, I was just a young teenage boy and Somebody made the joke. I didn't make this joke, but somebody made this joke that, that it's like, you know, I was just glad to be in it. It was kind of like the fat girl at the prom. I'm just glad to be here. And um, I didn't make that joke. Somebody made that joke. I'm overweight, so I can make that joke. Some of y'all are nervous. I'm not nervous. Y'all okay? I'm a part of that crew, so I'm fine. But I was just glad to be in the room. And, um, and he got to talking, and, and the Spirit of the Lord got to moving, and and, um, man, all of a sudden he started prophesying to people in the room and, uh, y'all are still offended by my fat joke. <laughs> he started prophesying to people in the room and, and man, he went, he literally went Tyler from left to right. He went all the way around the circle. Da, 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 this, this is going to happen. You are this. And sisters Hackett, I, I think you were there. And, uh, this, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And prophesied to Elder Melick, prophesied to Pastor, and, and pa- prophesied to Anthony Nutter. And, and I remember Pastor talks about that night a lot. That was the night where God showed him we would go plant a church in Crooksville and, and uh, about that night. And so, but, but we, so he's prophesying around the room and I'm in the circle and I'm, I'm almost waiting my turn, you know. You ever, you ever pray and you kind of peek when you pray? I was, I was peeking that night. I was praying, but I was like, okay, who's he on? Like, okay, I'm, I'm next, you know, so I, you know, you get the face right and the hands right and all this thing. And, you know, and, uh, oh, don't be so serious. But, uh, you know, I, it's, it's my turn next. And he gets to me, brother John, he gets to me and he has nothing to say. Nothing. He moves on to the next, pr- he skips me, literally. He, it's, like, it's like a game of duck, duck, goose. He's like, everybody else but you. It ain't you, son. He prophesied, listen, he prophesied to everybody else in the circle except me. You want to talk about a bad day. As a 15-year-old kid, 
that, that already dealt with some level of insecurity, you're like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to make it. I'm probably going to hell. <laughs> you know, in those moments, your mind just goes crazy. You know, I'm like, I'm not right with God. I'm, I'm a horrible person. I'm terrible. You know, my parents don't love me. You know, just, you, it's crazy where your mind goes in those moments. My parents do love me. Thank you, Jesus. But, but it's crazy where your mind goes in those moments. And thankfully, uh, pastor after the, everybody else had left. And I'm just, I'm just like in shock. Just what, you know, what happened? And I am clearly, uh, at least I think, I am clearly troubled by what has just happened. I'm not, I'm not upset with him or anything. I'm just evaluating my whole life and thinking how bad, how terrible of a human being I am. And pastor seems to be aware of, of my emotions. And, and so he was kind enough. Everybody else left out of, out of the house and everybody else was gone. And just me and him by the coffee table in the living room. And he said, he said, he said, Cody, he said, uh, he said, brother Hernandez prophesied to everybody but you tonight, didn't he? I said, um, I said, yes, sir. Yes. Uh, that's, that's what, uh, that's what just happened. And, uh, I don't know if you have ever been there before. I've been, uh, maybe not that particular story, but I don't know if you've ever been at a place in your life where you feel like heaven is silent on your behalf. You ever been there? Anybody? You feel like you pray and, and you fast and you study and you do the things that you know to do and you do the things that you know are right and, 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 and nothing is happening. And because nothing is happening, I'm going to get human here for a minute if you don't mind. Because nothing has happened, then all of a sudden the prayer life starts to shrink. The fasting starts to, starts to wane back because nothing's happening and nothing's going on. And, and all of that stuff starts to wane. It starts to, come on, any humans in the building? And now you're not praying and you're not fasting like you know you should and so you feel guilty. Does anybody know the cycle here? Anybody ever been through the cycle? You feel guilty, and now you're like, oh, man, of course God won't speak to me because I'm not praying and fasting. And now, now you're guilty, and now you're dealing with, dealing with this mind that's going crazy. You feel all these emotions, and now, and now you've, you've arrived at rock bottom emotionally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's real. We end up there more than we care to admit. You end, up, you end up at a place where you have to make a decision. You have to make a, you have to make a decision. Am I going to get up or am I going to give up? Am I going to move on from this? Am I going to just <laughs> pick myself back up and keep going? Or am I just going to stay here in the dumps? Has anybody ever been there before? You feel like heaven is, is silent. You feel like nothing is moving. You feel like nothing is changing on your behalf. You're doing what you know to do. You're, you're, you're praying what you know to pray. And yet you don't see what you think you ought to see. I was there. And I remember the words of, of my pastor as he sat across from me in, the, uh, in his living room across the coffee table. And he said, Cody, here's what you need to understand. God is testing you. He's testing you. He said, I know you. I'm your pastor. I know what's going on in your life. And God is testing you. And when you are in a test, the teacher is silent. He said, he, you know, he, he brought it down to where I was as a, as, a, as a high school kid. He said, Cody, every time you take a test in school, the teacher isn't there talking to you. 
They're quiet. Why? Because it's a test. He said, but Cody, here's what you need to understand. Through this test, this is an open book test. Some of y'all didn't hear what I just said. That was really good. (laughs) You might not be hearing anything from God, but listen to me. You've got every answer that you need in his word. I've come to tell somebody on this Sunday morning, you might not hear be hearing the responses that you want to hear. You might not be getting what you want to get. And sometimes heaven just seems silent. But let me tell you on this Sunday morning what my pastor told me. The teacher may be silent, but your test is an open book test. And this book says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This book says, he will never leave me nor forsake me, but he will be with me even until the end of the world. When heaven is silent, when the teacher is silent, you've got a book that knows right where you are and knows right what you need for this is the word of God. This is the words of God, not for somebody, but for you and for me. It is God's word for my life. I've come to tell somebody in this room, there are many, if we could take a survey of the people that are in this room today, you would say, you know what? That's exactly where I am. I'm praying and nothing's happening. I've been faithful and nothing's happening. I've been doing what I know to do and nothing is happening. Heaven seems like brass. And when I pray, it seems as if the prayers bounce off the ceiling and hit me again. It doesn't feel like anything is happening. I think think if we were to gauge the room, many of us would say that's where we are. And I was, I have to admit, before, before what happened earlier this morning, I was maybe going to be a little bit more broad or indirect about what I was talking about. But this morning, I, before the nine o'clock service, we, we started, um, I, I shared with the praise team in our pre-service meeting what I'd be talking about. And Pastor Nehemiah was up here and I told him my title, I told him my title, an open, an open book test. And and, and Pastor Nehemiah was moved and started to talk to somebody and started to cry and others crying in the circle. I was wondering. And he, he, said, he said, Cody, I've, I've got to interrupt you. He said, on Thursday in McConnellsville, I preached a message titled, what was the title? The Blessing of a Test. This is where we are. We, we, haven't, talked, we haven't talked all week long. I'm going to tell you right now, this is where we are. You need to understand you are in the middle of a test. You are in the middle of something that is momentary. It's not going to be forever. It's not going to be too long from now. Amen. When the test will be over, amen, you're going to feel again. You're going to believe again. Come on, your emotions are going to come again. Come on, you just got to endure the test. So let's go to the book because it's an open book test. Let's go to the book. What does the book say about a test? Number one, the book says this about the test. A test does not reveal who I am to God. 
A test reveals who I am to myself. A test does not reveal me to God. I'm going to test them so I can figure out who they are. Nope. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows our responses. He already knows us. He knows how, he knows how we tick. He knows how we work. He knows everything that there is. To know. He, God does not test us to find out what we will do. He already knows what we will do. But God tests us to reveal us to us. He did it in, he did it in Scripture in John chapter 6. He tested Philip. When, when, when there were people following him, they were out in a desert place, there was no food nearby, and, and Jesus poses the question specifically to Philip. He says to, the scripture says, and he said, and he said, he saith unto Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Jesus said this to Philip, particularly. Watch the next statement. And this he said to Prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. In other words, God already knew how Philip would respond because he's God. Amen. God already knew how Philip would respond, but Philip did not know how Philip would respond. And so God used a moment, a question, to surface a response out of Philip. Philip answers, well, uh, we, don't, we don't have a whole lot of money. I, I, don't, I don't think there's a whole lot that, that, that we can do here. God surfaces a mindset in Philip. God surfaces a way of thinking in Philip. And so the first thing we have to understand when we look at tests biblically, it reveals us to ourselves. It's hard to improve on what you don't know is wrong. It's very difficult to get better in an area where you don't know you have a problem. Amen. If I don't know that I have an issue with pride, I am not going to try to get rid of pride. If I don't know I have an issue with doubt or with fear, I am not going to attempt to be delivered and to be healed of doubt and fear. And so God surfaces the problem in us so we will pray prayers, so we will read scripture, so we will look at resources and things and turn to our leadership and all of these things. God surfaces things in our life so they can be revealed and ultimately so they can be healed. You have to understand that a test is a good thing as much as it doesn't feel good. A test is a good thing because it reveals things in me that are not like God. And as much as, as we are tied up in this life and as much as, as our emotions swing from one day to the next and as much as we have invested in our families, let us be reminded on this Sunday morning, we are not living for this life only. We are living for the moment that we will stand before God God and give an account for who we are. And if there's doubt in me, if there's unbelief in me, if there's fear in me, I'm not sure of what my future is going to look like. 
But if he, amen, if he can begin the judgment at the house of God before, before that trumpet sounds, if he can start those small judgments now and begin to reveal those things to us when I stand before him being tested, have being tested, have been, have been tried and all of these things, I can stand before him and say, I used to deal with unbelief, but I'm a believer now. I used to deal with fear, but I'm full of faith now. Ah, it was the test that revealed it in me so it could be healed. Test reveals us to us. That's not proper English, but that's the best I've got. Let's look at Job. Let's look at the open book test, Brother Chuck. Brother Chuck. Let's look at the open book test today. Job lost everything in a matter of moments. His kids, his career, his home, he lost everything. And what he didn't lose was yelling at him saying, curse God and die. That was his wife. What he didn't lose was doubting him and, and saying, just give up. And you want to talk about a bad day. Lose all of your children, lose your career, lose your home, lose it all in one day. Job, Job, you want to talk about a test that is hard to wrap your mind around. You want to read the book of Job. You, I mean, you want, to, you want to try to wrap your head around the way God works with particular people. I, I, I don't, it's beyond, it's beyond me. It's beyond you. I don't understand the way God tests people, but I do know that, that it didn't stop there because Job just didn't lose, didn't lose his, his kids and his, his wealth and, and his career and his home. Job, Job just didn't lose those things. Now, for 35 chapters in the book of Job, he's got three dudes sitting around him for, for the span of sometime around two weeks saying, all of this happened to you because you're a bad person. That's almost comical to me. As if losing everything wasn't enough, now he's got three people in his circle saying to him, you know what, Job, this happened to you because you're a sinner. Because somewhere you made these terrible mistakes and now you're paying for your mistakes. As if the, the initial loss wasn't enough, now he's got to listen to his friends tell him why he lost everything. That's terrible. That's terrible. That's awful. But on the backside of that test, on the backside of the test, we find in, in Job 41, I believe, in 42, you will find that the Lord comes down in a whirlwind. And Job, the Bible says, prays for those that have talked against him. The Bible says that when Job prays for his friends, heaven unleashes on his life. See, sometimes God, I didn't plan to go here today, but sometimes God will put opposing people in your life and will call you to forgive them. He will. He will call you to not hold a grudge. I mean, you talk about anybody that had a right to have a grudge. It was Job. 
You deserved what came to you. You you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me I have to forgive those people? Well, if you want a future, you do. Well, if you want anything to get better, you do. If you want double in your life, you're gonna have to forgive some things. And I tell some people in this room, don't fail the test by letting unforgiveness stay in your heart. Don't fail the test by letting bitterness build up where you are. You've got to forgive. And the Bible says when Job prayed for his friends, the blessings of God, unleashed on his life double the amount of kids double the amount of uh, double the amount of animals he got his house back he got his family back why all because a man did not in the middle of a test curse God but he said naked I came into this world and naked I will leave but blessed be the name of the Lord Here's something we don't talk about enough in Job's story. Here's something we don't celebrate enough in Job's story. Through all of the trial and through all of the sickness and the boils and the pain and the health problems and the, and, and the loss, Job did not leave. Job stayed. Through all of it, Brother Tyler, Job He could have left. Everything that was holding him there was gone. The land didn't have much to offer him now. It was just a heap of what used to be. But Job, Job, as a tree planted by the rivers of water, said, I'm not moving. It may be hard now, but I'm not moving. I'm not going to abandon, amen, what God, amen, is working out in my life. Job stayed. Job remained faithful. And there is something to be said about a saint of God, about the people of God. I'm talking about you today. There is something to be said about a man of God or a lady of God, amen, that's going through all hell, but yet straightens their tie up, walks into a church service and says, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the... There's something to be said that of people that remain faithful in the midst of a test. So I want to tell somebody in this room, you may be tested right now. You may feel that heaven is brass and nothing is happening. But if you will hold on, on the other side of your test is double. On the other side of your test is more than enough. On the other side of your test is a blessing from God that you can't contain. I wish somebody would believe that this morning. On the other side of my test is double. On the other side of your test is a blessing. I've come to tell somebody, don't get weary in well-doing for you shall reap if you faint not. Let's not faint in this season. Let's remain. Let's remain faithful. Let's remain prayerful. Let's remain consecrated. It's an open book test. It's an open book test. And get in, in the in the book of Judges, get in, get in. I imagine him as a scrawny guy, but get in. Get in was a part of the people of God who were in bondage to the Midianites. And Gideon was 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 gathering wheat behind the wine press and 
All of a sudden, an angel of the Lord, are y'all all right? Everybody okay? All of a sudden, an angel of the Lord shows up to him and says, Hail, thou art highly favored of God. I just imagine Jonah, or Jonah, Gideon, got to get my names right here. I just imagine Gideon with a mouthful of corn or weed or something, just looking up. Me? You know, an angel of the Lord comes down to you and, you're, and the angel's like, hell, thou art highly favored. I, I think I'm getting what, he, what they said to Mary and Gideon mixed, mixed up. But he said something, to, he said something along those, leave me alone, get, get off, just for, get out of here. He said something to Gideon and it was good, okay? It was really good. Read the Bible. I should read the Bible. <laughs> And Gideon asks a series of questions of the Lord. He, 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 asks, he asks God to prove him and lays out a fleece and does all of these things. And Gideon finally gets to a place where he believes the word of God. I'm going to lead the army to defeat the Midianites. And jo, or Job, golly, I got to get this name right. His name is Gideon. <laughs> Gideon gets to a place where he believes that God's going to use him. And God says, okay, now. Let's, let's, get, let's get your people. Gather your people. The Midianites are an army of 120,000. The Israelite army is 32,000. Outnumbered almost one to four. He says, get your army together. Gideon says, okay, I'll get my army together. Bible says, you know, the, some of you know the story, but the Bible says, the Lord says to Gideon, these, these men are too many. He said, he said if, if I let you go to battle with these amount of men, they're going to say, they're going to say, uh, um, we get the credit. You know, they're, they're going to take the credit for the victory that came. I promise I'll read the Bible. He said, they're going to get the, they're going to think that they're the ones that won the battle. He said, they're too many. And so watch Judges chapter seven and verse three. Let's start at verse three. Let's just read through this. Now, therefore, go to, go proclaim to the ears of the people saying, whosoever is fearful and afraid let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. There returned to the people 20 and 2,000, and there remained 10,000. He said the, the first wave of testing, the first wave of, of the trying was this. He said, get everybody that's fearful and that's afraid and send them home. We've dealt with a lot of fear lately, haven't we? A lot of fear. People fearful of what's going on. I understand being cautious, and we ought to be cautious, but we ought to never be fearful. We ought to never be so entangled in a spirit of fear that we don't feel like we can move and we can do what, what, what needs to be done and what God is calling us to do. Listen, if you feel like you cannot do the things that God is calling you to do, it is a spirit of fear. It's going gonna, it's gonna to keep you hostage as long as you'll let it stay. But I've come to tell you, if you want, amen, to live a victorious life, you can't be full of fear. You can't be full of faith and fear at the same time. You've got you've to make a commitment. I'm not going to fear anymore. I believe that with God I can be victorious. Listen, we already have the answer to how this all plays out. 
We already have the answer that in the end, Brother Chuck, when, when the trumpet sounds and when the wars are raging and everything's going on, we have the answer that we are the ones who come out victorious. There is no reason to be fearful. God is with us. Let's go on. Let's go on the next verse. I forget what verse we were at. Uh, Seven and four, I do read the Bible. Lord said to Gideon, people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water and I will try them. What is that word, try them? I, I will try them. I will test. Them. Bring them to the water and I will test them for thee there. Shall be that whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee. The same shall go. He says, he goes on to say, whoever I say is going with you is going with you. Whoever I say is staying home is staying home. Gideon says, yes, sir. Cody's language, Cody's version. He says, they get down to the water and he said, everybody, let's, let's go on, seven and five. So he brought down the people into the water and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon, upon his knees to drink. Go on. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300 men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. Here's what happened. Here was the next test. Everybody say the next test. We're talking about an open book test today. We're trying to get some understanding of our test today. God said to Gideon, he said, everybody, everybody that, that goes down, if this is the water, goes down into the water and drinks of the water like you didn't imagine. You'd be preaching, you'd hear, you know, you'd be looking at a preacher like this today. Everybody that, that goes down to the water and drinks this way, send them home. But everybody that drinks of the water that takes with their hand and drinks of it this way, he says, set them apart. Those are gonna be the ones that go to battle. Now we can only make speculation about this because the Bible doesn't explain it, but I would have to assume and I would have to believe that God is saying, if, if, if there is any, take, take the people that are just focused on solving the temporary need uh, take the people that are just consumed by what is in front of them. Just all into now. Just all into what's, what's happening right now. Just let me get this need met. Just let my thirst be quenched. Let's just get this solved. I'm not worried about anything else. This is the only thing that matters and will ever matter. I'm just going to take care of right now. He said, he said I, can't, I, I, I can't have those people. He said, send, send them home. But it appears to me that the Lord said, anybody that would dip down into the water and still drink, still take care of what's in front of them, still solve the temporary need while aware of what's going on, while aware of the bigger picture of what is happening. 
It appears to me that God is saying, take the people that are not so engulfed and so, and so damaged by right now. Take those people, set them aside. Give me the people that can see beyond the pain and the bondage right now and can see and believe for a day of freedom, can believe for a day of better, can believe for the day when I deliver you out of the hand of the Midians. And he took 300 men that were not consumed by the harshness, by the hardness of what was going on right now. He took 300 men and surrounded the Midian camp that was down in the valley. Those 300 men had a pitcher covering a lamp in one hand and a trumpet in the other hand. And the scripture says that they broke the pitcher and blew the trumpets and said the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and the Bible says that when they blew the trumpets the enemy down in the valley became confused and began to fight one another and what was an army of 120,000 now became an army of under 20,000 men all because there was 300 that said I'm going to make it through the test there's more to life than what's going on right now Come on, what's going on to me right now is just temporary. What's happening in me right now is just temporary. There's something coming. There's a victory coming. There's a victory coming beyond now. Let me preach to some saint of God. I know this season hasn't been easy. I know this season has been difficult for a lot of people. You're dealing with health. You're dealing with questions. You're dealing with what am I doing with work and remote working and all of these different things and everything's moving and everything's changing. But let me remind you, sir and ma'am, that you cannot become so consumed with what is going on right now that you lose sight of the bigger picture of what God is doing in this world because God is doing something in this world and it's not going to be too many days from now when we stand before him but you've got to stay aware. Clap your hands to the Lord. I believe that even more so. Amen. Sister Tammy, I believe it even more so because if you read on in Judges chapter seven, the Bible says, and that same night, that evening, God called those 300 men and Gideon, brother Tyler, and he said, get up and go unto the Midianites for I have delivered them unto thine hand. The scripture is very adamant about when it is nighttime, you've got to be aware, you've got to be watching. You've got to be looking for what is happening. Don't, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Amen. He will do what he said he was going to do. You can't fall asleep when it's getting dark out here. You can't just fall asleep when this thing's getting ready to wrap up. You've got to remain aware. You've got to remain fixed. Amen. Not just on what's in front of you, but I'm looking to a place that is beyond now. 
There's a hope beyond this life. Amen, Sister Carolyn. There's a, we, we, we're, we're looking for a hope that's beyond just what I'm going through right now. I'm not looking just to be delivered of right now, although that would be nice. Ultimately, I'm looking to be delivered. Amen, on that day I stand before him and I can look back and say it was all worth it. Every test, every trial, every moment of a no word from God, it was worth it worth it stand to your feet all over the building I want the music to come <coughs> see I'm not a jerk it's snowing I didn't preach long you're welcome try to get you home safe Bible says ha, ha, I gotta stay here for a minute there's so much it's so much bigger than just what you're going through. It's so much greater than if you could ever see the way heaven sees. If we could ever open our eyes to the way the Lord sees us. The way the Lord sees my life. I, Sister Sharp, I don't have a question to every answer to every question. I don't, I don't understand it all, but I do know that all things but the Zion work together for the good of them that love him. And if you can endure the test, for some of you, if you can endure this test, on the other side is victory. On the other side is an enemy that can't wrap their heads around how you defeated them. If you could just stick it out a little bit longer, there's victory on the other side. I say to this church, there's victory on the other side. Keep praying, keep fasting, Keep loving God. Come on, don't grow cold on him now. Keep serving the Lord. Music can come. Ruth teaches us in the scripture. Ruth and Orpah. Terrible name. But Ruth and Orpah had tragically lost their husbands and um, I can't imagine losing a spouse Naomi somehow had lost a spouse and here they are Ruth and Orpah and, and mother-in-law Naomi the Bible says that that Orpah kissed Naomi in other words, she, she kissed her and said, I, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to just go home. I'm going to start over and just see what happens. The Bible says that while Orpah kissed her, Ruth claved to her. There was something in Ruth that, that stayed with Naomi. So much so, she was so set on not leaving where she was, that she said, entreat me not to leave me. Please don't make me leave you. Wherever you go, I want to go. Wherever you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Don't make me leave you. I want to stay with you. In other words, Ruth was saying, I know right now is hard. I know I've just lost a spouse, but I can't just abandon what, it, what God is doing. 
I just can't walk out on what is happening. Ruth says, don't make me leave you. I, 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 I don't have anything anywhere else. Just, just let, let me stay with you. And Naomi lets her stay. And Naomi takes her home to the people of God. And, 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 then, and they go there. And all of a sudden, Ruth ends up in the field of Boaz. Boaz is a wealthy man. A man that has more than enough. He has enough to share. Has, has enough to share food with, with, with strangers and people that would come onto his property and want the, want the leftovers. And Boaz had enough to leave handfuls of purpose. And you find later on, not, not too long from that initial commitment Ruth made, you find Ruth making a covenant in marriage with Boaz, amen, with a man that could provide her with everything that she would have been looking for if she would have just went back home and abandoned the test, abandoned the process. You don't hear anything else of what Orpah did. You don't hear any more story of what happened in her life because when people just give up and go home, there's not too much to write about them but show me somebody that sticks it out when it's tough show me somebody that says I'm not leaving just because it's hard I'll show you somebody that's going to receive the blessings of the Lord when you stick it out you receive what God has for you don't leave don't give up don't throw in the towel because it's hard at the moment on the other side of your test, sir. Man, who am I talking to? On the other side of the test, it's blessing more than enough. It's double. It's, it's, it's an enemy that's wondering how did this happen? On the other side of your test, it's waiting on you. The Lord thought so much of that lady Ruth that if you go far enough down in the lineage, so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so begat so-and-so and begat so-and-so. And out of the lineage of a lady that said, I'm not leaving, comes the birth of the Christ child, Emmanuel, God with us. God's looking for somebody in this room that won't abandon when things get tough that won't abandon the test that you're going through but God is looking amen to do something through somebody that says I'm going to stick out the test that I'm going through because I know that he holds my tomorrow he holds your tomorrow today he holds your tomorrow today don't be weary. Don't throw in the towel. God dealt with this young preacher this week to tell you that the storm and the test, the trial that you're going through, it's temporary. It's temporary. Somebody say, it's temporary. It's temporary. On the other side of this is victory. You just hold on, sir. You just hold on, ma'am. Victory. Is coming. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Now clap your hands and put your voice behind it like you believe that it's working. 
Come on, put your voice behind it like you believe that God is going to use my test. God is going to see me through this storm. It's going to end in victory. I feel victory in this house on this Sunday morning. You've just got to believe it. You've just got to believe it. I know your emotions might not be there. I know all of that. But hear the word of the Lord. Victory is on its way. Stick it out. Keep going. In Jesus' name. I'm asking somebody that would. This altar is open. You can come. You can stay where you are. But I'm going to pray over you. And when I pray over you, I believe God is going to open up something in your spirit anew and afresh again. I want you to lift your hands and I want you to close your eyes. Lord, I pray for these wonderful people under the sound of my voice in the name of Jesus. They have endured loss. They have endured sickness. They have endured trials that they don't understand why it's happening. But I pray right now in the name of Jesus for a supernatural strength to come over them. For a supernatural help to come over them. I pray, oh God, that you would pour your spirit out over them anew and afresh right now in the name of Jesus. Lift your hand to receive of the Lord right now. Come on, receive what God has for you right now. A victory Thank you, Jesus. for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.